The focus of the first perek is what one needs to put at the entranceway of a movoy, which is a street where courtyards open up into, and the movoy then opens to a Rishusarabim, a public domain, and we had a discussion a couple of Mishnahis ago as to what one needs to put at the entranceway of the movoy as a reminder for people not to carry in the Rishusarabim. According to Beit Shaman, you need a lechi and a kaira, a vertical post on the side, and a horizontal beam at the top. Whereas according to Beis Hillel, you need one or the other. And then we also had a Beliezer who holds that you need two posts, but not a beam. And the truth is, although until now we have explained that the purpose of the beams and the posts on the side are as a reminder not to carry in the Rosh Harabim, there are those who learn that the beams and the posts do serve another purpose as well. Or at least the posts do, and that is that they serve to make a mechitza a partition so that we view that side as if it's filled with a wall. Now whatever the reason may be, the Mishnah tells us that L'chayayin Sha'omru, the side posts which the Chachom talked about in the previous couple of Mishnahis, Gov Fachim, their height must be at least 10 Fachim high. So the posts don't necessarily need to reach the top of the Mavoi, they do need to be at least 10 Fachim high, so that A, they are recognizable, and B, they serve as a real partition, as a real part of a wall, if that is the purpose of the Lechi. But when it comes to Vrochbon Vavyon, their width and their thickness, Kolshahu, any amount is sufficient, because as long as it is at least 10 Tfachim high, it is considered recognizable and a good reminder. Rabbi says, Rochbon Shesh Tfachim, their width has to be at least 3 Tfachim, because in order to consider this thing part of a wall, for it to be considered a Mechitza, it can't just be a very thin pole. It has to be at least 3 Tfachim wide, so that it can be viewed as a Mechitza as part of a wall. Mishnah Zion, what do the poles need to be made of? So the Mishnah tells us that Bakol Oisin Lechoyayin, one can make these vertical poles out of anything, even Afil even something which has life. And the Gemara explains we're referring to an animal which is tied up on the side of the entrance to the Mavoi. So since it's tied, it will stay there and it can't move below 10 Tfachim high. So even that would serve as a valid Lechi, again, as long as it is 10 Tfachim high at least and it is tied up. However, Rabbi Yaisi forbids this. He says that you cannot use an animal as the lechi. The reason being that if the animal dies on Shabbos, then when an animal dies and has no life in it, it usually withers and shrinks. So we're afraid that once the animal dies, it might shrink to be less than 10 Tfachim high, and therefore this would not be a valid lechi, according to Rabbi Yaisi. Now the Tanakama argues because the Tanakama holds that one does not need to be concerned that the animal might die. What are the chances the animal will die on this day specifically? And so we do not need to be concerned about that, that it will die and then shrink, so you can use even an animal as a lechi. Now, Rimeir also argues with the Tanakama, and he also holds that one cannot use an animal as the lechi, but for a different reason, and that is, again, based on the fact that the lechi not only serves as a reminder not to carry it into the Rosh Hasharabim, but it also needs to be considered a halachic mechitza, a partition, which is a sort of wall, and so if it's made of an animal, you can never consider that to be a wall. It's alive, and so therefore Bimeir also holds that an animal cannot be used as a lechi. Now the rest of this Mishnah goes a bit sidetracked, although the next part does still have to do with a mechitza. says the Mishnah, A live animal can become Tomei from the Tumah of Goylel. Goylel refers to the covering of a grave, and something which is a covering of a grave gains a very high level of Tumah because it is literally part of the grave. And according to the Tanakhama, this applies also to animals. Animals can become Tomei with the Tumor of Goylel. However, once again, Rabbi Meir argues, Rabbi Meir says that the animal would remain Tahar, 
this Tumah of Gelal does not apply to an animal. The reason being that, according to Meir, the Tumah is based on the fact that the covering is considered to be a Mechitza. In this case, of course, it's not a wall, but it's still considered a covering of something. And the Tumah of Gelal only applies to things which can halachically be Mechitzas, and so it does not apply to animals, according to Meir. Alright, in the third and final part of the mission of a chesun olav noshim, one can write a get, a document of divorce to a woman on the animal, and then give the animal to the woman as the get, just like you can use any material to write the document on, at least according to the strict letter of the law. So too, you can use an animal, why not? However, Rebbeis Aglili invalidates such a get, because the Torah says that a get needs to be a safer krisus, a scroll of cutting off the connection between the husband and wife. So we see that the Torah refers to it as a scroll, and that excludes an animal because you cannot consider the animal to be a scroll. A caravan who encamp in a valley, so they're traveling for a very long time, let's say they've got a long journey, and they stay on their, throughout their journey on Shabbos, they stay in a valley. And they want to be able to carry on Shabbos, but we're discussing a valley which is in a very open area, which has the status of a Carmelis, so it's Mijabonon forbidden to carry there. So the only way that they will be able to carry there is if they create a Rishus Hayachid. Now how are they going to do that? So they need to surround their camp with four walls, which are at least ten Tfachim high, and then they'll be able to carry there. So if they surrounded their camp with different animal utensils, saddles and animal traps, and all sorts of objects which they have on them. So if they surround their entire camp with such objects, then they are allowed to carry there on Shabbos, as long as they are within the four walls. As long as this made-up fence around them is at least ten Tfachim high. And as well as that, the openings in the so-called fence cannot be more than that which is actually there. Meaning, you don't have to have four full walls without any gaps in them. You're allowed to have actually lots of gaps, because we view all of the gaps as entrances. However, if more of the surrounding part has not got objects than that which does have objects, meaning if more than half of it is not actually part of the fence, but we consider it like entranceways, then it no longer is considered an entrance. Rather, it's not considered to be a partition at all, and this is not considered to be surrounded by four walls, because there are so many gaps that this cannot be considered a private domain. Now, what happens if you don't have a lot of gaps, but let's say you've got one very large gap. So even if the majority of the wall is made up, and there are objects surrounding the majority, nevertheless, such a big gap destroys the entire partition, and it is not considered to be a Rosh Hashayachid. So the Mishnah says, called Pritzoshi Keser Amis Muteres, any opening in the surrounding walls, which is up to 10 Amis wide, is permitted. We view that as an entrance into the private domain. Because it's like an entranceway. However, Yosser Mekan, if it is wider than 10 Amas, then Osser it's forbidden to carry inside of that encampment, since it cannot be considered a private domain if the surrounding walls are not sufficiently built up and there are too many holes or holes which are too wide in the wall. Misha test, there is a halachic principle known as Lovud. And Lovud means that if you have two different objects, which are within three tefachim of each other, if the distance between two objects is less than three tefachim, then those two objects are considered to be joined together, and we view it as if there is no gap in between them. Now, using the principle of Lovud, it can be much easier to make a mechitza. 
to make a partition, to make surrounding walls, to create a Rishus Hayachid. As the Mishnah now explains, Makifin Shoshul Chavolim, one can surround the encampment in the previous Mishnah, or really when everyone is making a Rishus Hayachid, although we'll see in a later Mishnah whether this can be done in any case or only in the encampment, but be it as it may, when it comes to making a Rishus Hayachid, Makifin Shoshul Chavolim, one can surround the camp with three horizontal ropes, the second rope above the first rope and the third rope above the second rope. So you've got three ropes, one above the other. As long as there is less than three tefachim in between each rope. And the shir chavolim v'ovyon yosr al tefach. The measure of the ropes and their thickness has to be just over a tefach altogether. So for example, if each rope was just over a third of a tefach thick, and you place the first rope within three tefachim of the ground, just under three tefachim, then the second rope you place above that rope, again with a gap of just under three tefachim, and then the third rope again you leave a gap of just under three tefachim, so you've got three tefachim plus three tefachim plus three tefachim, that's nine tefachim, or actually under nine tefachim, because lovet only works if it's less than three tefachim, and then in order to reach the ten tefachim minimum, which the mechitzas need to be, so that is made up by the actual thickness of the rope, which therefore needs to be just over a tefach, so that altogether it reaches a height of ten tefachim, and it will be considered a halachic mechitza, and we view it as if all of the gaps are actually filled up using the principle of lovud. Now the way they would practically do this would probably be that they would have some poles in the corners, and stretch the ropes from one pole to the other, and that would be the mechitza, and they would have created a